Hey everybody, this is Greg Refner on the Abstract Podcast, and we have George Brontian, CEO of Membrane Software, on with us today. Super excited to have him on. Um, we're going to be talking about how to measure the dirty details that seem to be neglected inside your CRM. So I think uh, as the founder of a CRM company, George, I think you have some unique perspectives on this. So you know, please say hi, and uh, let's get this party started. Yeah, hi, and thanks for, for having me. Good fun to be here. Yeah, founder of Membrane, as you, as you say, we say we're CRM, yes, but we are also in the enablement uh, space. So focus a lot on the how should we be selling uh, and less on the what data to log. Perfect. Well, I think that is probably more important than the data that finds its way inside the CRM. And uh, we're going to get into that here in a little bit. So um, as part of your description on LinkedIn, you talk about CRMs becoming graveyards of information. And um, I read that and I was like, that's genius, totally accurate. Um, and it's a good segue into what we're going to be talking about today. But let's maybe back up and maybe start with, you know, why did you start Membrane? Kind of how did your sales career begin and transition mm -hmm. you into, you know, wanting to start a software company? Yeah, sure. Well, it all started with uh, me running my my first, uh, maybe I should call it successful company, <laughs> where we actually <laughs> had more people than myself uh, in it. And uh, it was in that company where I I wanted to grow it, so I started hiring salespeople, and um, I did not do a very good job at it, or at least I was not being successful in making them successful. And in the beginning. I was blaming others. I was blaming the recruiters. I was blaming the, the, the salespeople. And uh, it took me a while for me to really sit down and think about it and realize that I, I was the only common denominator. So I, I was the problem, of course. Uh, and, and when I realized that, I started to do a lot of reading on sales because, I, yes, I've always been selling, but I haven't studied sales. Uh, but then I, I really dove into the topic of sales, read all the books on the, the methodologies and, you know, everything I could get my hands on. Uh, joined a lot of networks with sales professionals, sales directors, CEOs. And, and what I learned was basically that I had a lot of sort of faulty assumptions when it came to selling. I thought that salespeople were born. I thought they were disciplined by nature. They would go out and get and reach those numbers that I asked them to, to, to reach and all kinds of assumptions uh, that I was making. And these fellow sales directors and, and CEOs I met with kind of all made those faulty assumptions. And that's where I started to, as a, as a tech guy or a software guy, I looked at the solutions we were using um, and that was the CRM systems basically that I was looking at and, and they all sucked. They, they did not help me direct sort of how people should be selling. Uh, and that's how I came up with the idea of membrane that we don't, we, yes, it's important to know all the contact details and the account information and you know, all that stuff, it's, it's helpful. Uh, but it doesn't tell you how to sell. And, and if we just assume that salespeople should know how to sell and just log what they've done, that got me to that situation where I was just hiring and firing. So, so memory was born out of the idea that we should really build a system where 
uh, everything is focused on the how to sell. So guidance, coaching, uh, uh, win-loss analysis, those things that really help us understand the customers and, and the salespeople and focus on the, I have a saying internally when we develop the product that we need to think about the, the uh, individuals, like people first, because uh, those are the ones we want to help. I think CRMs in the past, it's been more like data first or mm -hmm. uh, management first, reports first. Yeah. And so we want to sort of turn that on its head. Okay. Yeah. And that's um, it's a good segue into, I think, the next thing I want to kind of talk about here a little bit. Um, people process technology. Um, mm -hmm. It's cliche. Everybody says it. Um, but time and time again, we see organizations kind of do the exact opposite where it's yeah technology process people or data input process people. Um, why, why do you think that is? Well, I think it's the same reason why we buy, you know, a, a abs wheel to get six packs. We, we know it won't work. <laughs> it's not about the abs wheel. It's about the discipline and, and to not eat crap food and actually exercise. I think it's the same in, in selling. We, we think if we buy that coolest gadget, the newest technology uh, that spams people and sends out thousands of emails, uh, that, that'll help us sell and we don't have to actually do the work. Uh, so I think it's, it's a way to take shortcuts but we know it won't work. I mean, I think we really, in, in, if we ask ourselves, we probably know that it won't work. But still, we, we try to do tech first without having a process, without having a strategy, without, without really understanding how to coach our people. So, yeah, I think it's just a laziness in, in, in sorts. Okay, that's interesting. So you think that we spend a lot of money um, on this tool, kind of knowing knowingly that we're going to be disappointed with how it performs. Um, that's, that's so fascinating because I think um, getting into, you know, the, the, the heart of our conversation today that I really want to focus on, it's, you know, salespeople are not born. I, I would agree with you. Like it's something that is kind of a skill that's trained and, um, the things that make successful sales reps are not inside the CRM, right? Like mm -hmm. knowing the, the vertical, the market, the revenue of the company, right? Like these mm -hmm. are things that are not tracked inside of, or they're, they're, they're tracked inside the CRM, but they aren't typically the things that lead to a successful sale. So when you go back to how to sell, not kind of the details that you know, bring this back to membrane, Kind of what are some of those hows that you figured out how to sell some of those things that are trained? Like what are those things that you're thinking that we should start to try to measure and maybe influence the you by the use of technology? Um, mm. Kind of can you help me you know understand where, yeah. where you're thinking with that? Well, I think from from a company perspective, we need to know who we're who we can help, like who who's our ideal customer. Uh, I think people all, already there, they, 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 uh, they go wrong sometimes because they, they become too reactive. They, they believe the, so we've been in this marketing automation hype for a decade soon. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I think uh, companies have bought into this idea. If you just put a blog out or 
uh, you, you send out white papers uh, and, and put them online. People are going to call you and buy your stuff like crazy. It's it's not that easy and it's very reactive, right? So you have to just the basic stuff. Who who do you want to help? What's your ideal customer fit? How will you get to them? Where do they go to learn? What are they struggling with? You know, the basic stuff. Uh, and then with the, armed with that know-how, that's when you can go out and target that segment of the market and generate an interesting discussion that, is, that actually brings value and interest in those customers. So I think it starts already in prospecting, like how, how are we prospecting? Are we actually targeting the right accounts with the right message at the right time, the right people and all that good stuff? Or are we sort of spraying and praying and hoping that people will end up in, on our doorstep? So I think, that it, and, and then once you know your customer, you said you don't always have the information in the CRM that is that helps win deals. And I think it comes down to just maybe not knowing in great detail what it is that you're helping customers to achieve or what their mm. actual problem is. I mean, of course, you know your product, but what will the product help your customers solve and how is that relevant for them? So getting into your customer's shoes and, and understanding their world is really, I think, the holy grail of selling. Okay. Yeah. And so for someone who's new to sales, though, how do I go about learning those things, right? Like, what are the ways in which I can be enabled to learn those things? Well, hopefully your company knows these things, <laughs> knows your <laughs> ideal customer, knows their Fair problems enough. inside out so they can teach you. If they don't, well, I guess you, then you, you really have to deep dive into the topics yourself. Like what, who is this customer you're talking to? What are they concerned about? Talk to them uh, or read where they are reading uh, and, and see what questions they're posting on LinkedIn, et cetera. And just get inside their heads. But, but yeah, and, and I think this is not an easy tra uh, task sometimes, depending on, it, on exactly what it is you're selling, but you have to do that work. There's no sort of shortcut. That said, of course, depends on what role you have, right? What, what sales role do you have? Sometimes uh -huh. you might be tasked with only doing a piece of the sales process and you might need to know less. But if, you, if you're doing the entire sales cycle, there's usually a lot of different conversations that you need to be able to have that require business acumen, that, that industry knowledge, product knowledge, competitive knowledge, a lot of knowledge and, and skills that will take some time to build up. Yeah, and organizing that in a way that makes it easy for reps to kind of find and then consume and then kind of be able to refresh themselves on these topics over time um, is, is always a challenge, right? It's in a Google yeah. doc over here. It's in the LMS over here. And mm -hmm. so, you know, how do we bring all that into one place? And it sounds like that's kind of what, um, what membranes doing in a little bit of a way, right? Is trying to bring not necessarily the data component, but the how and the why into the reps world. Uh, is that, is that a fair statement? Yeah, definitely. You could think about it as a sort of checklist on steroids. So it, it, it gives you sort of the checklist of what you need to be doing. And it's dynamic if you set it up correctly. So you, it actually tells you, oh, now you're working with an automotive customer. In their world, this is what's going on. This is what you oh, need to Oh, that's cool. 
That's so it cool. needs to be very dynamic because it's it's going to change. And if you're talking to a CEO, you want to talk about different things. And if you're talking to a CFO or a marketing manager, so all of these things are very dynamic and uh, the mm-hmm. system needs to be agile. That's such a good point because um, I think so. Skip Miller wrote a book and he talks about the different languages and being able to speak Russian or French or German. And he equates it to you know, C level, VP level. Yeah director, manager level, and you have to understand at a company level what's important, but also at those kind of various levels of seniority, right? Well, how to speak the right language. And so if your economic buyer is a CFO, right? What's the language? What's the words that I use to Mm -hmm. to actually write an email to this person or to discuss pain points with this person? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So more often than not though, CRMs don't really tell the full story. Um, I don't know, as a sales rep myself, I, I often find myself the one part, George, that I don't enjoy about my day is kind of taking my notes and inputting them into the CRM. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I might fill out uh, three or four kind of bullet points and then kind of call it good to check the box, if mm-hmm. you will, that I did my job of putting notes into the system. Um, what do you think it is that causes some? Um, some lack of interest or I don't know, laziness around reps putting that information inside the CRM. Is it because they know it's probably just going to sit there and never get looked at again? Yes. I think there are several things. First off uh, time, it takes time, like you said. Um, And I think a second problem, which if they actually put it in, and they put what sometimes happens is that they put their interpretations into the into write, written form, which mm. I think is very dangerous. So if the customer says to you, this is definitely a problem worth looking into, uh, and you write, this is an urgent problem they need to solve, <laughs> that's not the same thing, right? So you can interpret what they're saying in a way that's just not right. So I always recommend salespeople to write within exclamation marks what they actually said. Don't make notes that were your interpretations of what they said, but write down what they actually said, because that's what's interesting. If you go back to these notes in two weeks time, that will actually be helpful to you. Uh, But if you go back to your interpretations and you read those out loud to the buyer, they're going to say, I never, I never told you that. <laughs> uh, happy so, ears, right? Yeah, um, that's happy ears in, in, in writing. So that's actually a good, that's something that's helped me a lot my, in, in my own selling. Only write down what they actually said. Ah, that's interesting. I've never heard anybody say that before. Um, and that's interesting. That brings up such a good point because, you know, body language, tone of voice, all these different things kind of roll into what we consider communication, right? And so the way you might say, hey, Greg, this looks interesting, I'm interested or something like that. I may interpret that as George ready to buy. He said it in an excited tone of voice. Um, So how do we kind of bridge that gap, right? If I'm taking what you actually said but then maybe I'm putting my own spin on it because mm-hmm. I'm behind on my number for the quarter. And I hear that you're interested, right? Like what's the, how do we bridge that gap in terms of kind of 
what you said, taking those words, but then ask, actually interpreting them mm-hmm. the correct way. Ask another question. I mean, that's what salespeople sometimes don't do, right? They, they interpret and then they go for the sale. It says, oh, you mentioned, you said this was interesting. What was it specifically that you found interesting and, and how, how, what kinds of different types of solution do you see you could, could, could look at? Because I think also when somebody said, says that's interesting, how do you know what they found was interesting? Was it actually your product that was interesting or the problem you were talking about? Because if it's the problem that's interesting, they probably could find 10 different ways of solving the problem which does not include your product or solution. So mm. you have to continue asking, like, okay, what was it that was interesting to you? And how would you foresee that? How could, what effects could that have? How could you solve that? Who else would need to be engaged for you to sort of actually go, get, go deeper on, on that, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Kind of the second, third level line of questioning, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Okay. And the process level questions are good. Like what would need to happen in order to, because then they would have to answer in a sort of step-by-step, like, oh, first I need to uh, call uh, Lisa because she needs to be involved. Then I have to do this and that and that. And then you have sort of a process. Your sales process is now changed and you have to alter it based on that buyer. I love that. Great point. So clarifying process. Awesome. All right, a couple more kind of points, George, and then we'll wrap this up for today. So um, I've uh, had the pleasure of working with many salespeople in my life, and some have been super successful, um, some, are, some, are, some have been not. Um, and some of the most successful salespeople I know do not take good notes. Um, they don't study battle cards. They don't necessarily know how to run the best demo. They don't prospect super hard, um, but they seem to win at a rate that's higher than kind of industry average or vertical average. Um, Sometimes they're just um, maybe not necessarily born, but they have maybe innate characteristics that lead themselves to being successful in, um, I don't want to use the word manipulation, but because that has a negative connotation associated to it, but convincing others to change, we'll call it. what do we do with those types of people when um, they're, they're kind of that A plus player, but they're kind of really bad at all the, the, the organizational components of managing deals and taking notes? Like, what do we do with people like that? <laughs> well, <laughs> there's good technology out there now, right? So you can get around some of that sort of wor- admin type work. Uh, I mean, you, you can record calls, you can have uh, the, the, the software actually do the note-taking for you. So I think there are technology that can help. Uh, yeah. I also think we should study them because they're doing something right. Uh, and we need to, and if you ask them, they probably can't say exactly what it is they are doing that causes yeah. them to win more. But if you study what they do and study their calls and what questions they ask and how they respond to to pushback etc i think there is a possibility to bottle that up so that others can become uh maybe not as good as them but 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 maybe close the gap between uh that performance level but i don't think it's a good idea to sort of say okay you're so good so you you don't have to do any 
any note taking. You don't have to put anything into the in, into the CRM because there is, of course, added benefit for the other people in the company to have some of that data. But we can definitely make, and this goes for all salespeople. We can reduce the the feeling of having to be like a data entry clerk uh, by actually not having the talk technology work for them and not against them. Um, So I don't know if it's a good- Using technology to kind of augment that a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. I think augment is a good word. Uh, Technology should augment the salesperson. It shouldn't just, shouldn't put burden on them to, to do stuff that they would just not have to do or they could use that time in a better way. But if they feel that they're guided by the system, if they feel that they can- close more business by using the system, et cetera, then, then it's, they want to use it. Got it. Yeah. So maybe helping reps understand kind of the why behind it and how it actually helps them be better at their jobs, as opposed to kind of like, Hey, you have to do this because I think, you know, a type personality, successful sales reps, they often don't like being told what to do. And so if maybe you can convince them why things are important as opposed to telling them just to do it, you might get a little bit more adoption, right? And then maybe show them, hey, here's why, but here's what could actually kind of be the benefit for you as well. And I think uh, in a way, selling needs to become a bit more collaborative. Uh, And this individualistic approach that we have some people that are just great performers and they become the heroes that's that's fine, but I think if we can make that into a more collaborative uh, environment where they can share what they're doing right and others can learn from it and they get compensated somehow because I, th- I think compensation models can mess this up because if, if you're only compensated by your individual performances, well, of course, you, you don't want to share your secrets. Yeah. Uh, but if you're compensated because you can help others perform better and you can help the company grow even more and you're compensated for that, then it becomes maybe more interesting for you as a high performer to, to share what you're doing and document a bit more of that. That's a, that's an interesting idea because oftentimes like that top performer is pushed in like a sales leadership role, George, and they don't want to be right. Right. You know, they, they just, they want to go about their day, continue to hit their number. But what if there was some kind of like middle ground where maybe, they did coaching, they did some type of enablement, yeah. they, they helped playbooks, something like exactly. that, where you could take what was in kind of in them and, and give it to the rest of the team, but compensate them for that. That's an interesting idea. I've never heard that before. All right. Well, George, this has been, uh, I mean, as someone who's been in sales for about 10 years now, I've, I've learned a couple of things today. And I, I think there's some valuable takeaways for us um, and our listeners. So, um, Kind of for me, the big things were um, write down what was said. Don't kind of write down your interpretation of what you thought you heard, but actually write down the words that your prospect said, because mm-hmm. how you interpreted that, you know, in the moment could be very different than the way you read those notes in two weeks and kind of making that kind of general rule that we write down the words that were said as opposed to my interpretation of those words. Um, I can imagine goes a long way in keeping yeah, things can I add, organized. Add one point to that. I yeah. think what you can do also, don't feel limited that you can only do that. You can also, of course, write your sort of questions. Like, this is what they said. And I wonder if, 
and then I mean you could have questions you, you you'll make your assumptions and you make your conclusions but you can write those down as, as questions and, and actually follow up with those but don't confuse uh, your interpretations with what was said I love that I love that that's such a huge point I think everybody in sales needs to hear that um, and then the other one would be I think it, it kind of goes without saying but know your customer Right. Um, know the problems that they have, know how to speak the language that they that they use. If they're a CFO, don't talk, you know, marketing MQLs. Right. Uh, you need to talk kind of bottom line growth, top line growth, burn rate, you know, depending upon what you're selling. But make mm -hmm. sure you're using the right language based on who you're talking to. And then the other third kind of final thing is kind of the last thing we talked about, George, really an interesting idea that some companies might want to start to look at is. How do you encourage top performers to kind of share, um, transfer their knowledge to the rest of the team in a way that um, they're compensated for, but also don't kind of force them to go leadership management if they don't want to. Um, yeah. If they want to be a kick-ass individual contributor, great. How do we take what's in them and give it to the rest of the team but make sure they're compensated for it? So, um, Really good stuff, George. I, I know I'm going to take a couple of things away from my own personal selling career to make sure that I, I put into place. Um, for anybody who wants to get in touch with you or learn more about Membrane, what's the best way to do so? So I'm active on LinkedIn. That's the easiest uh, way to, to find me. And I, I've got a strange last name, so it's pretty simple. Uh, and follow my blog. I blog weekly uh, on uh, art and science of complex sales. Uh, so that's on membrane.com slash blog. Yeah, those would be the two ways. Perfect. Awesome. Well, you know, here at Abstract, we believe selling is part science and part art. So I think there's a lot of alignment there. And, you know, having read some of your content, I think our readers would enjoy a lot of it as well. So again, George, appreciate your time today. Thank you for sharing some of your knowledge, a little bit of your story. And um, we'll look forward to talking to you again in the future. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a pleasure. Me too. Cool. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.